Who's really in good with God? That is, who's genuinely upright and in good standing, right standing with God himself? If you've ever wondered that, well, that's the question that the parable we're going to look at today is all about. Hey friends, welcome back to another episode of the Bible in Life. Thanks for joining me on this episode. Before we jump into the parable we want to look at today, just one thing I'm super excited about is a uh, online course I just released within the last couple of months called Basics of Spiritual Growth. It's really a course I taught for years at Boise Bible College. Uh, and there my students would have to pay, you know, seven, eight, nine hundred dollars as part of their uh, tuition to take the course. But because I'm offering it now online, I can offer it for a fraction of the price. And it's a course that's really had a profound impact on just a lot of people that I've taught it. So if that sounds like something that would be helpful to you, Swing on over to my website. I'll put the link to it in the notes below and just check out the uh, Basics of Spiritual Growth course. And it's an opportunity to really explore the, the grace of God and the gospel and how to walk by the Spirit and how all of that helps us become like Jesus from the inside out. So again, if that sounds like something that might be helpful to you or that you might be able to do with somebody else who's maybe new to faith or new to walking with Jesus even, and you want to together learn and grow together... Um, that's an opportunity for you there. So the basics of spiritual growth on my website, I'll put the link to it down in the notes below. All right, let's, uh, let's jump in. We're going to look at a parable out of Luke chapter 18 today. And it's a fairly well-known parable, but I think it has an awful lot for us to reflect on and think about as we really reflect on our walk with God. And as the intro to this podcast uh, set up, really the dominant question that this parable is wrestling with is, who's really in good with God? And who's really an upright person? And this parable helps us to wrestle with that and helps us really think about what posture is required for us to have a healthy soul and a flourishing life? So, Luke chapter 18, beginning in verse 9. Let me just read the parable to you uh, so we can hear what Jesus actually says, and then we'll do some a uh, little bit of work on understanding it and reflecting on it. So, Luke 18, verse 9 through 14 says, And Jesus also told this parable to some who trusted in themselves that they were righteous and viewed others with contempt. They looked down on other people. Here's the parable, beginning in verse 10. Two men went up to the temple to pray. One was a Pharisee and the other a tax collector. The Pharisee stood and was praying in this way to himself, God, I thank you that I'm not like other people, swindlers, unjust, adulterers, or even like this tax collector over here. I fast twice a week. I pay tithes of all I get. Uh, but the tax collector, standing some distance away, was even unwilling to lift his eyes to heaven. Instead, he was beating his chest, saying, God, be merciful to me, the sinner. I tell you, Jesus says, this man, meaning the tax collector, went to his house justified rather than the other. For everyone who exalts himself will be humbled, and he who humbles himself will be exalted. So there you have it. Simple little story, simple little parable. Um, and in this particular parable, we're actually kind of given the framework or the point that's being made in the framework to the parable. So Jesus told this parable, verse 9 says, to some people who trusted in themselves that they were righteous, that they were upright, that they were in good with God. They trusted in um, their 
their goodness. They trusted in their religious activity. They trusted in their own behavior that they were righteous and that they were in good with themselves. And then in verse 14, the wrap-up to the parable, Jesus says, For everyone who exalts himself will be humbled, and he who humbles himself will be exalted. And so we sort of are told the moral of the story almost with this parable. Um, And yet, there's an awful lot for us just to chew on and reflect on as we explore this, this parable. So just some cultural background stuff right up front. The the first thing we need to recognize is the two people that Jesus contrasts with each other represent two very distinct, almost classes, if you will, a Pharisee and a tax collector. Now, if you're familiar with the Bible, if you've been around church much, your reaction to these two different people is very different than Jesus' original audience. When Jesus told this story originally, who would everyone expect to be and assume would be the hero of the story? Well, Jesus' original audience would assume the Pharisees going to be the hero of the story. Everyone knew that. The Pharisees were the good guys. They were uh, some of the most righteous, religious, God-fearing people of the day. Um, They were the ones who ran the synagogue. They were the ones who uh, taught the kids in the synagogue school. They were the ones who worked um, hard to be as pure and as holy as possible, right? Like, they went even beyond the standards of what God's law in the Old Testament said they should do in order to try to honor God, please God, and be righteous or upright. So the Pharisee, by uh, everyone's standards in the first century world, he was the good guy. And so everyone assumes he's going to be the hero. And tax collectors, on the other hand, they were like they were like the worst. They were the epitome of the bad guy. I mean, you couldn't get much worse than a tax collector in Jesus' day because tax collectors were Jews who worked on behalf of the Romans. And so they were working with the foreign government, the oppressors, and they were working with Gentiles. And they were also, uh, you know, robbing people of their funds and paying some of that money to the, the, the oppressive foreign government. And so they were about as low as you could get. So everyone in Jesus' original audience assumed Pharisee is the upright good guy who's in good with God, and tax collector is the low life, you know, the scum of the earth, the one who's uh, really certainly not right with God. That's the expectation. But the twist in the story, as almost always in Jesus' parables, is Jesus reverses the order. And so, as he tells the story, the Pharisee becomes the bad guy and the tax collector becomes the good guy. Um, The Pharisee relies on, in this parable, the Pharisee relies on his own goodness, his own righteousness for his justification, for his rightness with God. He he relies on his own righteousness, his own religiosity. He fasts twice a week. He pays tithes of everything he gets. He makes sure he avoids uh, wrongdoing. He's not a swindler. He's not unjust. He's not an adulterer. He's not even like this tax collector over there. Um, so he's relying on his own righteousness. The reality is, however, there are a lot of things people can rely on for their justification, for you know, to 
basically justify their existence, to uh, put themselves in the category of the good person. We can rely on our career. We can rely on our appearance. We can rely on our accomplishments. We can rely on our degrees. We can rely on our scholarships, right? All these things. They prove our worth. They prove that we count. They prove we're good enough. And it's easy for us to do that just in a generic sense. Well, this particular fellow is in his relationship with God is depending on his own righteousness. Um, and he prays, therefore, from that place of, man, I've got, I've tried to honor you in every way I can, and I've tried to avoid evil, and I'm so grateful that I'm not not like some people who don't try to honor you and don't try to be righteous. The tax collector, on the other hand, um, wouldn't even lift up his eyes to heaven, Jesus says. I mean, he bowed his head, in other words, and he kept his head bowed low, and he didn't even want to lift his eyes up to heaven. He's beating his chest. And the translation here says, God, be merciful to me, the sinner. That may not really be the best translation. It doesn't actually have the word mercy in it. Um, Literally, the word translated, be merciful, is... Uh, related to the verb that's uh, translated propitiation, for example, in Romans chapter 3 or 1 John, um, it's the word that has to do with making atonement. Most scholars assume Jesus' mental picture for this little story is in the temple, maybe during the time of sacrifice, uh, is the backdrop. And here is this this tax collector who stands far off away from the formal worship activities. And what he's asking is not just God to be merciful in a general sense. He's basically begging God, God, please atone for my sin. Make atonement for my sin. Would you pay the price and deal with my sin in whatever way needs to happen? He's acknowledging his sin and he's asking God to make atonement for his sin. And what happens in the parable is Jesus says, this man goes down to his house justified, goes down to his house right with God rather than the other, rather than the Pharisee um, who thought he was right with God because of everything he did. And so Jesus says, for everyone who exalts himself will be humbled, but he who humbles himself will be justified. And here's one of the major things that we can reflect on out of this parable is this, that humility is really the appropriate posture for us as human beings. Um, We are creatures. We have been made by someone else and our life itself is a gift. And we are dependent on not only other people, but on our creator for this thing called life itself and for everything about our life. It's a gift. Everything we are, everything we have, and the very fact of our existence is something that we could not give ourselves. And so we are 100% completely dependent just simply as creatures, as those made by God. And so humility is totally proper and appropriate for us as human beings, just by virtue of us being human beings. And that posture of humility is made even more appropriate um, because of our disloyalty to our, creator, uh, disloyalty to our creator and the brokenness that results from that. What sometimes theologians call our fallenness. 
The fact is, is we have broken faith with our maker. We have been disloyal to him. We have gone our own way, tried to do life ourselves, thought we were good enough on our own, or thought we, we wanted to, you know, figure out life on our own. That brought all sorts of brokenness, not only to us individually, but to our world. And thus, humility is even more appropriate for us in our fallenness, our brokenness, our disloyalty loyalty to our creator. And so it is appropriate for us to be humble before our maker, before our creator. Now, it's really important for us to understand the nature of this humility, particularly in view of this parable. When this tax collector stands far off, won't lift his eyes to heaven, beats his breast and is begging for God to make atonement for his sins, this isn't self-loathing, right? So when we think of The kind of humility that Jesus is calling us to in this text, it's not self-loathing. It's not self-hatred. It's not beating ourselves up and, you know, oh, I'm just so awful. Oh, I'm just so terrible. Oh, woe is me. It's not, right? It's not self-pity. It's, we really need to beware of worm theology where I'm just, I'm just nothing. I'm just worthless. I'm just, that's not what humility is in the Bible. And that's not what Jesus is recommending here. Um, What this parable is all about and what Jesus is recommending to us, this kind of humility is really not self-loathing. What it is, is self-honesty. He's asking God to atone for his sins. In other words, he's recognizing that he hasn't done it all right, that he has made mistakes, and he's being honest with himself about that. This is self-honesty about his disloyalty. It's self-honesty about his brokenness. It's self-honesty about his shortcomings. And so he is being incredibly honest with himself about who he is. That's really the nature of biblical humility is this kind of self-honesty. And self-honesty is one of the most important factors to our well-being as human beings. Um, In our relationship with God, self-honesty is critical, as we see here. In our relationship with other people, um, someone who can be honest with themselves and honest about their shortcomings is going to be much easier uh, to relate to and, and be more genuine and real and authentic with other people, and that person will be drawn to them. So in our relationship with others, uh, self-honesty is important. I mean, even in this parable, is there going to be much of a relationship between the Pharisee and the tax collector? No. Why? Because the Pharisee is too self-absorbed and too focused on his own goodness to actually have any compassion for the tax collector and to have any realness with himself. And so self-honesty, self-honesty is important in our relationship with ourselves, Um, our ability to receive feedback, our ability to take an honest look at ourselves and say, man, how could have I done that different? How could have I done that better? Self-honesty is important to seeing ourselves accurately. Accurately, and we we really can't change what we won't see or won't admit. We can't grow, we can't become, we can't improve if we can't take an honest look at ourselves and see here's how I could do some things differently and here's how I could grow. So self honesty is really critical to our well being and our flourishing as humans. And before we talk a little bit more about this self-honesty and what makes that possible, just a little bit of an aside almost, but as we reflect on this parable, I think one of the things we need to say to ourselves at this time and place as followers of Jesus, we actually need to 
warn ourselves about being, we need to be aware of our potential for pride in our humility. In a lot of ways, the, the tables have turned from Jesus' day to ours, and all of us know we don't want to be like a self-righteous Pharisee, and we want to be genuine and authentic and humble and transparent and real, right? And as a result of that, we almost have turned the tables where we know who the good guys are. The good guys are people like this tax collector who are humble and broken and authentic and real. And, not somebody who has her life all pulled together and, and all of that, like that Pharisee. And we have to be forewarned about that. This parable is about humility of all kinds. Um, and so it's the humility that is a genuine posture of the soul where we recognize we are fully dependent on God and his grace for everything we have and everything we are. And Without his uh, willingness to atone for our sins, we wouldn't have a hope or a prayer in this world. And so beware of our pride in humility. Now, with that, let's just take a second and reflect on this idea of self-honesty, because as I said, it's so important to our well-being and our flourishing as humans, and yet we are afraid of radical self-honesty. We're afraid even to be totally honest with God. We're afraid to take a long, hard look in the mirror at ourselves, and I think part of that is because we're afraid what we'll find. We, we will... Uh, we're afraid that indeed we'll find that we really aren't totally upright, that there really are things wrong with ourselves, that we we have flaws and shortcomings, that we really are broken, that we have been disloyal to God, that we have hurt other people, that we do and have done things wrong. And we're afraid that in seeing that, one of our worst fears will be realized, and that is we will be rejected. We're not worth paying attention to. That we won't be loved and we won't be wanted because we are broken and we are imperfect. And that's a legitimate fear because we humans are made to run on love just like a car is made to run on gasoline. And and if we're rejected and we don't belong and we're not accepted and we we you know we are not loved by others, we're not loved by God, then that, that's just going to kill us because we're made to run on love. And so we're totally afraid at times of being very honest with God and with ourselves. But look again at this parable. The tax collector, standing some distance away, acknowledges his sin, begs God to make atonement for his sins. And Jesus says, this one, this man, this tax collector, this sinner, this broken person goes to his house justified. And justified means accepted, put into a right relationship with God. That's the idea of justified, that the end result of being justified is you are declared right. You're put into a right relationship with him. In other words, he's welcomed. He's accepted. He is, he's in good with God. Not because he's perfect, but because God is gracious and merciful. And that, my friends, is what we all need to see in this parable. Um, That God indeed has made atonement for our sins. Um, He's made atonement in a way we could have never anticipated. He did so in the person of Jesus. That God has made it safe for us to 
be honest with him and honest with ourselves. He's done so by being so merciful and gracious, and indeed he has made atonement by sending his son to die on the cross for us. And now our sins have been acknowledged, not swept under the carpet. Our sins have been atoned for, they have been paid for, um, and our sins have been once and for all dealt with. And therefore, we don't have to be afraid anymore because God himself in his mercy sent his son to deal with our sins. And so now we can come clean. And we, like this tax collector, we can confess our sins before God and we can be totally honest with God knowing that atonement has been provided in the person of Jesus. And so we can take a long, hard look at ourselves in the mirror. We can ask God to show us things about ourselves uh, that need to be changed and where we are broken and flawed. And we can ask God for help to change us. And we can be brutally honest with ourselves and know that it doesn't compromise our worth because God thought we were worth the price of his son. And thus, it is safe for us to be completely honest with God and honest with ourselves. So, as a really a response to this parable, that's what I would like to invite all of us into, is this posture of genuine, authentic humility that acknowledges we are completely dependent on God for everything, for life, for new life, for grace, for forgiveness. We are completely dependent on God for all of that, and it's safe with Him to be honest and to be real and to be humble, and to be transparent. And as we, we dwell in that place of safety, guess what? God will uh, then reveal things to ourselves that need to be changed and need to be improved, and we grow and we become the kind of person that God created us to be. All right, thanks for joining me on this episode of The Bible and Life. And uh, I've been mentioning just the last handful of episodes that this is a listener-supported show. And I've had a few people just jump on and uh, become patrons of the Bible and Life podcast on my Patreon page. Again, I'll put a link to that down below. And so just thank you to those of you who uh, find this helpful and want to support the show in whatever way you can. You can support it for as little as $5 a month or up from there. And so thanks to the two recent new patrons who have signed on in the last uh, week or two. And um, just grateful to you for your support and uh, really enabling me to uh, make this podcast uh, available to people. And so thanks for that. Again, you can check out my online courses, that Basics of Spiritual Growth course, and I would invite you also to check out my YouTube channel where I release every Thursday a little five-minute Bible study on various topics and various passages on YouTube. And so if you're into that, you can swing on over to my YouTube channel and check out those videos as well. All right. Thanks for joining me again on this episode of the Bible in life. We will see you next week. God bless.